Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, at the webalchemist.net, and at empoweredmanifestation.com. And also on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 14th of August, 2021, and the title of today's show is Cyber Symposium and Other Election News and COVID Latest. And I'm going to start with an article from Forbidden Knowledge TV, which is um, presenting the transcript of one of the opening uh, talks at the Cyber Symposium. And just before I cover that, I'd just like to put out a disclaimer here that I haven't been able to watch the symposium, um, not only because of time, but also I've had some real issues with my internet speed in the last few days, which is very odd because I've had no problems before using this particular internet that I now have. Um, but one of the things that I was observing was... Um, the lack of reporting on the symposium by some of the alternative news that you would expect to see articles from. And I'm thinking in terms of uh, particularly Epoch Times, Western Journal, Breitbart. The only one, and I get newsletters from these every day, the only one who seems to have been reporting it is Gateway Pundit. So I've got quite a few things to share from them. Um, the only thing that the other reporters seemed to be talking about was the fact that Mike Lindell was attacked in his hotel, which was uh, interesting. It was a strange story, and the, it's actually come out now uh, from Mike Lindell. He was interviewed, I think, by um, somebody from Epoch Times, uh, sorry, Gateway Pundit, about this strange story about these men who were wanting um, photos taken with him. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that now. I want to cover the actual presentation that I mentioned. And apologies if the sound has changed because I realised I was not using my proper microphone. It was using the laptop microphone. So anyway, we'll continue on. Uh, Mike Lindell's three-day cyber symposium began yesterday and early into the programme they played this short video featuring Phil Waldron, who's a retired army colonel in unconventional and information warfare and has been involved with the forensic investigation of the 2020 election since the very beginning. He speaks very powerfully here about the dire challenge to America from the stealth unrestricted warfare campaign being waged against us by China, the bankster elites and our own corrupt officials. Sadly, the majority of people are unable to see beyond the unrelenting propaganda from the mainstream media to comprehend that we are in the throes of a global information war, that the coronavirus is a cover for a worldwide technocratic takeover. Waldron begins by discussing the CCP's 75% ownership of Dominion via UBS, a.k.a. Union Bank of Switzerland, and how the Spanish company, Seitel, declared bankruptcy in May of 2020 and was purchased in a closed private equity deal by an Irish EU company called Paragon. Seitel's subsidiary, ClarityElections.com, is where numerous counties in the U.S., send their election data for processing, and as a result, these counties no longer own or control their voting data. Furthermore, we learn that Democrat operative Jonathan Brill serves as President, Secretary, Treasurer and CEO of CITIL. It will be interesting to see if at any point during the symposium anybody mentions that CITIL USA, LLC, was originally founded by CENTCOM in 2009 and that in 2010, 100% of the ownership was transferred to the Spanish corporation CITEL Election Technologies SA. This is according to Americans for Innovation publisher Michael McKibben and his forensic team, who described Dominion and Paragon, 
the latter of which has 118 subsidiaries, as these impenetrable corporate labyrinths. He says the sheer number of subsidiaries is how they feel that they can lie so brazenly. McKibben's most shocking bombshell is his claim that CENTCOM orchestrated the theft of the 2020 election, saying it's real clear now from looking at the information it was a central command operation and that it was specifically regarding election rigging. What it looks like is that SOE software, which was later acquired by CITL, was hired by CENTCOM to build what would become the CITL system and get it ready for prime time, which appears to have occurred in 2010. Is it a coincidence that Biden's Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, was the commander of CENTCOM between March 2013 and March 2016? This is the same Secretary of Defense who on Monday decreed that all 1.4 million active duty U.S. troops be vaccinated by September the 15th with the same genocidal bioweapon that has killed tens of thousands of Americans at least and severely injured hundreds of thousands more in the past eight months. CENTCOM shares Medill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida with United States Special Operations Command where they each have their separate headquarters. There's a pervasive rumour which was bolstered by the Q movement that Donald Trump was recruited by JSOC, Special Operations Command, and that his entire presidency was a highly compartmentalised special access programme. Cliff High has recently been saying as much that Trump had been tweeting about Dominion as far back as 2012 and that this project is now about to go more dynamic. If there is no mention at the cyber symposium of CITL's origins within our own military and how the latter oversaw the cyber attack against the US, one nightmarish possibility may be that everyone currently exposing the fraud is captured as if we haven't already seen a lifetime's worth of captured government desperados lately, but I doubt this. There have also been rumours that the Trump team purposefully allowed the election to be stolen. There's no shortage of evidence of this in Patrick Byrne's written account of the post-election Trump White House in the deep rig. Hopiumly, the secrecy is part of the ongoing SAP and that there's some truth to the rumours about a vast sting operation against elite criminals all over the world. We'll see what happens over the next few days. I do trust Phil Waldron. And then it goes into the transcript. Phil Waldron, how, why and who stole the election? In November 2020, multiple groups of Americans came together because they all observed something really incredible in the 2020 general election. The groups united to launch a full-scale investigation led by former members of the U.S. intelligence community, the Department of Defense, NASA, the U.S. National Laboratories, private investigations and cybersecurity companies, and legal firms from around the country. The discoveries gained through intensive research left everyone involved deeply concerned about the future of our nation and our world. While the US media will undoubtedly discredit this information as far-right conspiracy theory, the fact is the people involved in this investigation represent all colours, creeds and all political parties. To ignore this message is to surrender to a government takeover that will gravely affect the lives of every man, woman and child of every nation. If there ever was an authentic non-partisan issue, this is it. In 1970, Henry Kissinger said, Who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. This concept is critical to understanding the thinking of those who seek to cripple and control America. To achieve their goal, they've got to disrupt families, divide races, destroy small businesses, dismantle the middle class and distort the American dream of owning land, a home and everything necessary for the pursuit of happiness and sovereignty. In collusion with our foreign adversaries... These treasonous few are working hard to tear down the last standing wall 
between them and their agenda of global domination. That wall is you, the American people. By focusing on a specific election system vulnerabilities, our investigation confirmed that the entire US election system is under the total control of private equity firms and foreign money. UBS Securities, LLC, New York, and UBS Securities Company Limited, Beijing, injected hundreds of millions of dollars into Staple Street Capital, the current owner of Dominion Voting. UBS currently holds the intellectual property of Dominion as their equity collateral. Up until December 2020, UBS Securities LLC New York listed three senior Chinese Communist Party members as being on the boards of both UBS Securities LLC New York and UBS Securities Company Limited Beijing. The company is owned 75% by the Chinese government. CITL, the parent company of Clarity Elections, located in Madrid, Spain, a data management and early election night reporting company, went bankrupt in May of 2020 and was subsequently purchased in a closed private equity deal by an Irish company called Paragon. The election site is where numerous counties in the US go to a clarityelections.com website address. The counties don't own or control their voting data and the positions of President, Secretary, Treasurer and CEO are all occupied by one man, Jonathan Brill. Brill also happens to be a part of CITL's senior management team and has run campaigns for Democrat Party candidates. Our investigation also revealed that contrary to the current political narrative, the election systems and their equipment were connected to the internet, making them infinitely hackable. Montage of several government officials claiming that 2020 was the most safe and secure election in history. This is referring to an image in the article. That's what they say now, but just a short while ago, the political narrative was very different. Montage of Democrat politicians, including Kamala Harris and Ted Lieu, testifying that electronic voting machines are rife with fraud. Through forensic analysis of election management system computers in Antrim County, Michigan, affidavits from numerous election officials in Georgia, as well as the operator's manual for Dominion's Democracy Suite 5.5, our teams have gathered indisputable evidence that the entire system can indeed be connected, hacked and manipulated, and in fact it was. Initiated by a court order, the Michigan investigation team obtained forensic access to a DS-200 tabulator, the machine that counts the votes. A TELIT 4G wireless chip manufactured in Taiwan was discovered embedded into the motherboard. The voting machine tapes clearly indicate modem engagement and transmission of election data. Some of the anomalies that we noticed in the 2020 general elections, that five key states all stopped counting at a certain time in these key battleground states, these were all where the software, Dominion machines, the ESNS machines were used, the Smartmatic, the GEM software. So when the, the, they stopped counting, and this has been noted in all other countries as well, President Trump was significantly ahead. When reporting and counting resumed, there was a massive spike occurred that favoured Joe Biden. The next major observation the teams made was that there were significant financial transactions from private and non-profit organisations that had a severe impact on the 2020 election. As revealed in Time magazine article in February of 2021, Individuals and organisations had been plotting to fortify the election since at least 2015. And there's a montage about the Time article. This network influence diagram really shows the interrelationship of money, people and influence and control between key players and key organisations. Now, there were over 200 non-profits that we found in this network that are all connected, What's even more troubling is that all of those 200 organisations have received substantial funding from a single source, George Soros. This is not the first time that Mr Soros has been implicated in a plot to destroy a nation. 
His cover organizations have been banned from several countries for doing exactly what they're currently doing to America. The Philippines, Russia, Turkey, Poland, Pakistan, as well as Soros' own homeland of Hungary, have learned the hard way the true intentions of this ruthless multi-billionaire. And it follows with a montage about the devastation of Soros NGOs from his funding of the migrant caravans to BLM and then the Fox News host censorship of Newt Gingrich's discussion of Soros on live TV. It was in 2006 when Soros said the main obstacle to a stable and just world is the United States. Translated into truth, that sentence would read, the main obstacle to destabilizing the world is the United States. While Soros is often accused of unfounded conspiracies that should not that should not detour from the heinous crimes against humanity that he's actually guilty of. Many of those crimes he keeps hidden in plain sight. According to a white paper, U.S. program strategy 2015 to 2018, Soros's open society began funding radical operations in Arizona and Georgia in 2015 with the goal of subverting the 2020 presidential elections. Through massive comp- campaign contributions and non-profit funding, Soros owns and controls countless public officials, university professors, teachers' unions, mayors, district attorneys, judges, congressmen, senators, secretaries of state, sheriffs, governors, and electronic voting machine companies around the world. And aren't we seeing evidence of that? Continuing on. In 2010, George Soros shocked even his devout loyalists when he declared that China has a better functioning government than the United States. While the Chinese people should be considered friends and allies, the Chinese Communist Party is anything but. The CCP has been plotting to take over the United States for the better part of this last century, and their unconventional warfare principles have barely, rec- have barely recognisable to the U.S. population. That doesn't make sense, but anyway, you get the gist. While we were sleeping, their poisonous seeds planted long ago have taken root and are now in full bloom within U.S. soil. The Chinese government and their operatives are buying up the United States at an alarming rate. Through cover organizations and individuals, they are purchasing American farms and businesses in mass volume. In addition, the CCP has co-opted the U.S. entertainment industry. Chinese firms own several U.S. entertainment companies and control more than 8,000 theater screens. Hollywood scripts are often reviewed and censored if they pose any threat to the image of the Chinese Communist Party. And many professional sports teams are controlled in great part by the CCP. And then there's a montage about Chinese influence over Hollywood and Joe Biden. China is currently making big moves to gain control over U.S. port operations and already controls the Panama Canal. They're building 5G networks throughout Europe and the West, which can be used to fill personal information and sensitive data directly to the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese government uses commercial software and apps to spy on U.S. citizens and extract their private information. It's estimated that at least 80% of American adults have had their private information harvested by China. Big Pharma has exported the vast majority of their production to China. Currently, 97% of the antibiotics in the U.S. come from China. 30% of personal protective equipment, such as face masks, come from China. 80% of imports of rare earth minerals come from China, which are vital for smartphones, electric cars, defence and other technologies. In 2017, the US produced zero rare earth minerals. China, on the other hand, accounted for more than 80% of the world's supply. In lockstep with the Mexican drug cartels, 97% of fentanyl, one of the most addictive and deadly drugs, is smuggled into the US from China. People's Liberation Army hackers are executing unconstrained penetration, surveillance, theft and offensive cyber attacks on U.S. businesses, critical infrastructure, intelligence apparatus and, yes, even the U.S. election system. 
To ignore this message is to surrender to a government takeover that will bravely affect, I think that should read gravely affect, the lives of every man, woman and child of every class, culture and nation. Our goal is to reach and revive the heart of humanity while there's still time. This is your wake-up call. So it's interesting from that um, transcript to see how all the different parts fit together. This is, as I said last week, this is why I cover the COVID and the election as two key areas because it's all under the auspices of this interference from the Chinese Communist Party. And if you look at what I've just read about control of the personal protection um, equipment and so on, how much money have the Chinese made from releasing this COVID-19 supposed pandemic, pandemic, And, of course, you know, they're buying up thousands and thousands of acres of land in here. So this kind of puts together the pieces of the puzzle so that you can see how everything is connected in, in this massive plot to take over America and the world. So on Tuesday, the cyber symposium started. On Wednesday, um, this was from a tweet by Joe Van Hutten Pulitzer, who, of course, was um, the inventor of various techniques to identify fraudulent ballots. Um, this, he tweeted, a release by Timothy Ramthan, who's a state representative of the 59th Assembly District of Wisconsin. Representative Ramthan gives cyber symposium update. Madison, State Representative Timothy Ramthan, R. Campbell Sport, released the following statement while attending the cyber symposium in South Dakota. And apparently all 50 states had representatives there. That was the last I heard. Uh, it says, present with me today are other Wisconsin officials. I came here with an open mind and intent to listen to and bring back any information that would help Wisconsin achieve closure with its 2020 general election concerns. The event is currently focused on Dominion voting machine specifics in Mesa County, Colorado, with evidence of image manipulations that permanently destroys log files. The practice Dominion uses is to request machine access to perform an upgrade, when in fact it appears their actions do more than that. I inquired with WEC official Mr Robert Spindle whether or not Dominion had sought such access of the Wisconsin Dominion machines from the WEC. Mr Spindle's response was that Dominion had requested access to the machines from WEC on 2nd of June 2021. Mr Spindle then forwards me the 100-page document qualifying that meeting. Page 39 of that document displays that Dominion request. In my opinion, the actions Dominion wants to take will destroy necessary data that could be forensic evidence for any audit and will prevent Wisconsin from achieving the closure it so desperately needs. I call upon Speaker Voss to either approve Representative Branchen's subpoenas or that either Speaker Voss or Representative Branchen seek an immediate injunction to terminate Dominion's desired actions until they provide a full and complete image of each machine they wish to upgrade before doing so. This needs to be done as soon as possible. Furthermore, I question the legality of Dominion doing any maintenance on any voting machine before the 22-month record retention requirement per state statute. So it's interesting that in that um, release, he should mention Mesa County, Colorado, because we're seeing some very interesting information coming out about that county's election issues. So I'm just going to divert from the symposium for a minute to read this article from Western Journal about Colorado. And this was on the 10th of August. It's actually the first day of the symposium. And it says, election integrity alert, Colorado County's voting system passwords posted online could lead to decertification of machines. How did a Colorado County's election system passwords find themselves plastered on the internet for anyone to see? It's another question that invites us to consider just how fragile America's voting processes can be. 
According to the Colorado Sun, Secretary of State Jenna Griswold announced on Monday that officials are investigating Mesa County's election office after its voting system passwords were posted online. Griswold said the passwords were discovered on a far-right blog. Griswold, a Democrat, called it a serious breach but maintains that it doesn't pose any risks to election integrity, past, present or future. She said the passwords were likely collected during software updates to voting equipment in May. In light of the incident, officials have been tasked with inspecting election equipment. If they unearth any violations, it could lead them to decertify Mesa County's voting machines. Matt Crane, leader of the Colorado County Clerks Association, said he was aware of Griswold's investigation into a potential chain of custody and security protocol breach for Mesa County's voting system components. We take any credible information that questions the integrity of the conduct of our elections seriously, Crane said. We offer our full support to this inquiry and hope that a thorough investigation will provide clear answers to the concerns raised by the Secretary of State's office, he added. This rural Colorado community is causing quite the stir and it begs us to consider state Republicans' calls for an audit of Dominion voting systems after the November election. Colorado election officials have condemned statements questioning the integrity of the state's election system. The question remains, how did these passwords find themselves accessible to the public? America's elections are undoubtedly vulnerable, subject to any number of shenanigans, as even Democrats have admitted in the past. How did our election systems become so vulnerable that someone could get their hands on these passwords? If someone did it once, couldn't they do it again at an even more opportune time? Perhaps this incident proves the merit of what we've been saying all along. It's time we address our election system shortcomings and focus on creating a safer, more secure system for everyone. So um, on Telegram, CodeMonkeyZ has been posting related to this. And he apparently was actually at the symposium and and also providing information there because he's a well-known IT specialist. It says in Mesa County, only the Secretary of State had access to the Dominion BIOS passwords. Why is Jenna Griswold trying to blame Tina Peters for the BIOS passwords leak when only Gina Griswold should have had access? If the BIOS passwords were leaked, then Jenna Griswold's team leaked the passwords. If the passwords were stolen, then Jenna Griswold was not keeping the passwords securely. Jenna Griswold has compromised Colorado elections either way. Why is Jenna Griswold raiding houses and offices? I'm going to cover more on that in a moment. Is she trying to frame others for her own mistake? Did Jenna Griswold leak the Mesa County BIOS passwords to frame Miss Tina Peters? All Colorado County clerks need to be aware of this. The Secretary of State might try to frame you for leaking something that you don't even have access to or responsibility over. Will Colorado's county clerks all fall into line now that Jenna Griswold has demonstrated that she will use her office to attack her political enemies? How many more scapegoats does Jenna Griswold need? Will Colorado's county clerks stand together against this tyranny? And then the next thing, Mike Lindell opens Thursday Cyber Symposium with shocking developments. Another home-raided, credible threats, conference infiltrated. And this was published on Thursday the 12th. And it's including the video of Mike Lindell. It says, Mike Lindell opened Thursday's Cyber Symposium with several shocking developments. Mike Lindell told the crowd an associate of Mesa County clerk Tina Peters had his home raided last night by state officials. The man has four children. They took all of his computer equipment. Colonel Phil Waldron then came on stage and told the audience that the conference had been infiltrated. Colonel Waldron said, in addition, the red team started receiving credible threats about two weeks ago. We detected disruptors inside trying to be people ejected. 
really radical folks outside trying to penetrate. We've got folks exchanging badges in the parking lot, press badges. We've identified those agitators and provocateurs by photo imagery, validated by their social media platforms. The big end game is to discredit all of the legislators who are here to listen. They are obviously trying to ruin the message that Mike is trying to get out. So this is typical insurrection activities. This is part of the colour revolution. Walden then told the crowd someone tried to insert faulty data into their conference and federal authorities were notified. And then the Daily Sentinel reports, Griswold, election office cameras turned off before security breach. And this was published yesterday, the 13th. Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters is not a hero for helping to destroy confidence in the state's election system, nor should she be praised for actively helping to breach security protocols that makes that system secure. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold and others said Thursday. These comments, or those comments, were made when the Secretary ordered the immediate decertification of 41 individual pieces of election equipment because Peters didn't bother to respond to Griswold's order to show they are safe and secure, Griswold said. Instead, Peters flew to South Dakota to speak at an event that is attempting to show that the nation's elections aren't reliable and that former President Donald Trump's loss last November was the result of a rigged election system. This is troubling for the entire state of Colorado to have someone in a trusted position, literally trusted to protect democracy, allow this type of situation to occur, Griswold said. To be very clear, the Mesa County clerk and recorder allowed a security breach and by all evidence at this point assisted it. The initial investigation into the goings-on in the clerk's office by investigators in Griswold's office showed that Peters allowed an unauthorised person into sensitive areas of her office, confirming earlier Daily Sentinel reports that identified him as Gerald Wood, had ordered that surveillance cameras be turned off and failed to properly seal election machines to prevent them from being tampered with. Griswold said as a result she had no choice but to decertify all of the county's machines, which are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those machines cannot be used anywhere in Colorado elections and are not salvageable. She said Wood's name had been entered into logs as being present at the May 25th Trust and Build session and that he appeared to have his own swipe card to unlock the secure door into that part of Peter's office where the machines are kept. There were only seven people at the Trust and Build and for multiple reasons it looks like he was that extra person who was added which was in breach of rules, Griswold said. He was not an employee. You have to be an employee to attend these and have to be background checked. At the South Dakota conference hosted by my pillow guy Mike Lindell, a fervent Trump supporter who has made repeated false claims that the election was stolen, Peters identified Wood as an employee of Dominion Voting Systems, the manufacturer of the machines that Mesa and nearly all other Colorado counties use in their elections. But there is no evidence he actually works for that company. I think we can see this as a, an attempted smear on Tina Peters, so um, I'll just continue along. Speakers at that event have claimed to show that the equipment isn't reliable. The Denver-based Dominion has filed several multi-billion dollar suits against Trump attorneys, conservative media outlets and Lindell. But Griswold and Matt Crane, a former Republican clerk in Arapahoe County and now executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Association said there has been nothing to show that at all. I'm not going to go on with this, but um, it's obviously false reporting as ever. But it just shows Griswold trying to cover her back after this um, revelation from Tina Peters and the fact that she is the one that holds the BIOS passwords, not the county clerk. And just to back that up, I've got uh, another post from Telegram. This is by Mark Fincham, who is actually a representative from Arizona. And he says, 
Mesa County, Colorado recorder confirmed active erasure of evidence from Dominion Systems, but by Dominion, not her office. The county recorder made a forensic copy because she believed that something nefarious was about to happen at the hands of the Colorado Secretary of State, who is Griswold, of course. That's right, proof beyond PCAP, there was forensic evidence that was actively erased, which is a violation by Dominion and the Colorado Secretary of State. So, unsurprisingly, dirty work going on in in Democrat-controlled Colorado, which is where I live, of course. Um, Many people believe that Colorado turned red in the election, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. So back to the cyber symposium. Um, This is an article again, Gateway Pundit, on the 12th. The truth versus the big lie cyber symposium reveals shocking new data. The cyber symposium, which is set to expose the mass voter fraud, started on Tuesday and reveals some very shocking new data. Before Tuesday, on Monday, Mike Lindell announced that a mock election was set to be held and interactive fraud displays would be available while teams broke off to analyse cyber data. And then it links to another article, Cyber Symposium Experts Break Off to Scrutinise Data, Attendees Provided Interactive Fraud Display and Mock Election. And this was from August the 10th, which was the first day. Um, Mike Lindell's cyber symposium is on despite a cyber attack that failed to silence the truth. And this is uh, linking to another article, Lindell's, Lindell's symposium hit with cyber attack, shut down, but backup plan kicks in, program slightly delayed. So interesting that they're under attack. The Gateway Pundit reported that Mike Lindell and his panel of experts spoke about 2020 election anomalies, China's monetary influence over our elections, fake news lies and more from Democrats and globalist elites. He has used this opportunity to shed light on the conspiracy theory news and hold them accountable for the damage they have created. Before closing for lunch, Mike Lindell told the crowd his plan for the rest of the day. Right now, we're going to break all of the cyber forensic experts into four groups, but I want to tell you before you leave what we're doing today. So we're going to have the panel up here all day, all the way until nine o'clock tonight. There's something coming at seven o'clock, everybody, that the whole world will not want to miss. Right over here on the back wall, by one o'clock, there's going to be a cyber centre. You're going to be able to put in any state and it's going to show what the big lie was and then it's going to show what the truth was. And you're going to put in counties that are set up based on the data what happened in six swing state counties. I know a lot of you are going to go Maricopa, Fulton County. On the made stage here, we're going to start a map of what the big lie was. It's the big lie and we're going to also have throughout the day a mock election here. All of you can vote throughout the day. I'll let you know what time that first election starts. You can come in, you vote, and once we fill up the votes, now we're going to have a hacker come in and flip it. There's routers, so there's three points of contact where they can attack. The cyber experts are breaking off into separate groups to scrutinise Mike Lindell's data and compete for the $5 million prize. The entire three-day program is set to be aired live Tuesday through Thursday on Frank Speech. So going back to that original article, the interactive displays at the symposium reveal the recorded results versus the alleged real results for every state in the big lie versus the truth. And it's showing a screenshot of the truth in Montana. And um, there, it's done as a as a video, so I can't really cover that. One can use this interactive computer to click on a category under any state's name. There are two categories, the truth and the big lie. The big lie section shows the official 2020 election, the big lies results. The truth shows what Lindell says are the true election results. And it's got a screenshot of the truth in Georgia. Um... This shows Trump winning 2,669,376 votes versus 
Biden with only 2,266,111 votes, although I have to question that number of votes, to be honest. Arizona, this one's big, the Maricopa County audit. Wow, I wonder how many of those votes were in Maricopa County. Trump wins Michigan, let's see, Pennsylvania, the big lie. The truth is Trump won Pennsylvania. The big lie in Georgia, but Biden wins. The truth, Trump wins Georgia. In conclusion, the truth here is that Trump won the 2020 election and we're only going to see more proof as the cyber symposium goes on. Lindell's truth has faced a few hiccups due to threats, investigations, raids, event infiltration and a possible poison pill which was placed within the data in order to corrupt it all. The Arizona audit team has yet to release their much-anticipated audit results of the 2020 Maricopa County presidential election. And it's got a video showing the machine in use. And then the last one I'm going to cover on the symposium, again, Gateway Pundit, they're destroying the evidence. Lindell Symposium reveals voting machine companies are wiping voting machines clean in Wisconsin, New Hampshire and Michigan. As we previously reported, this was on the 11th. As the Gateway Pundit previously reported, back in July, the election firm, Election Source, notified officials throughout the state of Michigan that they will discreetly break the law by eliminating election data from voting machines on the 15th. Attorneys immediately issued them a cease and desist order to prevent this destruction of evidence from happening. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn asked the Michigan election officials to do things to cover up the 2020 election fraud before, so this latest action by election source was not so shocking. Then there's a link to a pre the previous article. To no one's surprise, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson is a product of a George Soros Secretary of State program from 2010. Uh, the, the original article continues, also in July, an email was sent to the local election officials in the state from a company called Election Source that performs work on the voting machines in the state. This company would likely not send any letter like the following to election officials without Secretary of State Benson knowing about it. In a letter to the election officials around the state, the following was shared. We will be visiting XXX County on July 15th to perform preventative maintenance on your voting equipment. There is not an upgrade this time, just preventative maintenance. During the preventative maintenance, we will be removing the ICX batteries to prevent any issues with the batteries shutting off your machines. Batteries are not necessary in Michigan due to the fact that we do not use direct recording electronic voting in our state. Attorney Stephanie Lambert shared with Jim Hoft and Pat, Patty McMurray from the Gateway Pundit and 100% fed up that she will be filing a lawsuit to prevent this destruction of evidence. I've been working closely with Matt DePerna and with other attorneys and experts, like I said, and we've obtained a lot of evidence. In fact, there's going to be a lawsuit filed in the very near future against Election Source, which is a contractor to Dominion. Matt DePerno sent a cease and desist letter to Election Source today because there was a letter sent out by Election Source to all of the clerks in Michigan stating that they're coming to do preventative updates regarding removing a battery in most of the election equipment, which is problematic because this would erase data on those machines. That's one piece of what's happening with Election Source. Our experts have found security breaches within the Michigan election. Fast forward to today, on Tuesday at the Lindell Cyber Symposium in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Wisconsin Representative Timothy Ramthan told the audience that Wisconsin officials are also wiping the voting machines clean in the state. This was after Marilyn Todd from the New Hampshire Voter Integrity Group told the audience this was also happening in New Hampshire. They are destroying the evidence. So just to finish on this topic, a couple more uh, headlines uh, regarding the election. I don't have time to go into the whole article. Uh, Seth Keschel releases analysis on five Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania counties with enough fraudulent ballots to flip the state to Trump. That's Gateway Pundit. Um, I've also got 
audit cites Fulton County Elections Department for security lapses, missing routers, financial errors. And that is Western Journal. Um, I've got Freedom Times. Arizona Senate, Senator Wendy Rogers announces Election Integrity Caucus consisting of legislators from all 50 states. So good to hear that the states are banding together to battle this um, election fraud. And then we've got Texas Senate passes bill in favour of forensic audit in 1811 vote following failed Democrat filibuster. And we know that Texas has um, issued uh, arrest warrants for those Democrats who fled to D.C. to stop the vote. Um, We've got Missoula County tyranny. This is obviously in Montana. State Representative Manzella calls a special session to perform forensic audit of Montana elections. So lots still going on around the country in terms of exposing all the fraud that we all know took place. And let's hope it happens quickly. Mike Lindell, of course, (laughs) claimed that Trump will be reinstated this month. Um, Whether that is going to happen, I'm seriously doubtful, but uh, it's good to see this evidence coming out and hopefully waking up some more of the sleeping ones that still believe what the fake news say, that it was a fair election. And interesting that Dan Crenshaw has exposed himself as a rhino by saying that there was no fraud in the 2020 election. Um, Interesting how all of these people are exposing themselves. Now, I don't have much time left to cover the latest on COVID, but there's a great article about Dr. Rand Paul. And unlike Dr. Jill Biden, he is an actual doctor, So he's qualified to make some calls about what is being done in COVID world. And this is the Western Journal from August 9th. Rand Paul sounds alarm, calls on patriots to resist new lockdowns. Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky urged Americans to resist renewed calls for coronavirus shutdowns, mask mandates and vaccine passports, saying we cannot allow left-wing fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy and children. In an impassioned Twitter video posted on Sunday, the physician exhorted patriots to stand their ground against oppressive restrictions because he says they don't work. And this has been proven time and time again. Paul said allowing the government to reimpose unconstitutional restraints on our civil liberties is a dangerous slippery slope of no return. They can't arrest all of us, he said. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Paul called out left-wing fearmongers who are opportunistically hyping COVID-19 in order to reinstitute tyrannical mandates including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, President Joe Biden, not President, resident Joe Biden, and teachers' unions. Countless Americans are fed up with the panic-stoking left-wing power grabs, the senator said. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs, Paul warned. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the capital. Paul also threw down the gauntlet to Biden, saying he will legislatively block his administration if it reimposes anti-scientific mandates and shutdowns. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown, the senator said. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. 
Paul then torpedoed teachers' unions, which ruthlessly bullied schools into shutting down last year, hurting children academically and psychologically. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not? Not this time. I choose freedom. And there's a link to the um, video of him on Twitter. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year, he vowed. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mass mandates, part-time schools or any lockdown measures. Paul underscored, children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. The Senator warned that if a school system attempts to keep the children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Paul said his frustration mirrors that of legions of Americans who thank him every day for speaking up on their behalf. I'm not the only one who is fed up, he said. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them. Whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants or in stores, people thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns and bureaucratic power grabs. Paul said Dr Anthony Fauci, the chief medical advisor to the White House, is a flip-flopping bureaucrat whose sketchy health advice cannot be trusted. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science and I have been proven right time and time again, he said. Paul rattled off his own qualifications, which are derived from decades of practising medicine and treating patients, something that career government bureaucrat Fauci did not do. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am, the senator said. I'm not a career politician. I practised medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology, and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. While Democrats and their media puppets pushed the false narrative that conscientious objectors to renewed shutdowns and vaccine mandates represent fringe voices, in reality they are far more numerous than we realise. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards, Paul observed. I see brave mums standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. The senator continued, we are at the moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not, not this time. I choose freedom. Good for him. And to finish, um, from the Defender, the Children's Health Defense.org, which is Robert Kennedy's organization, we've never seen vaccine injuries on this scale. Why are regulatory agencies hiding COVID vaccine safety signals? And this was published on the 12th of August. In under a year, more than 500,000 post COVID vaccine injuries have been reported to VAERS. Nearly a third of all reports accumulated over the system's entire three-decade lifespan, yet regulatory agencies remain silent. And they wonder why there are so many people who will not take the shot. A few months before the first COVID-19 vaccines received emergency use authorization in late 2020, a global vaccine safety expert cautioned the rush circumstances that made it essential to get safety monitoring right by intensively and robustly scrutinising adverse events following the experimental rollout. 
As this expert stated, deploying any new vaccine based on data from expedited clinical trials into a population without a functioning safety monitoring system in place is reckless and irresponsible given the tools that are available. Moreover, she added, any investments needed to beef up safety monitoring would be inexpensive in comparison to the massive funding allocated to COVID-19 vaccine development and scale-up. In theory, the US has had a national vaccine safety monitoring system in place since 1990, the VAERS system, intended to function as an early warning system. VAERS and its US Food and Drug Administration, FDA counterpart, counterpart FAIRS constitute the principal data sources that regulators rely on when pulling drugs or vaccines from the market for safety reasons. Not only has VAERS never lived up to its promise, but there can be little doubt its glaring failures are largely and malignantly by design. For example, when a government commission study highlighted VAERS inadequacies in 2010, Estimating more than 99% of vaccine adverse reactions were going unreported and that one of every 39 doses of vaccine administered was linked to adverse events corroborated in vaccine package inserts, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention simply shut the project down. Now, in less than a year, more than half a million reports of injuries have flooded into VAERS following experimental COVID jabs, including thousands of deaths. Yet a deafening regulatory silence has greeted this record-setting volume of adverse reactions, which accounts for nearly a third of all reports accumulated by VAERS over its entire three-decade lifespan. How is the absence of early warning system alarm bells possible? In a recent commentary defining away vaccine safety signals, an experienced statistician suggested not only have safety experts' admonitions to get COVID vaccine safety monitoring right not been heeded, but CDC and other public health agencies have taken steps to intentionally hide safety signals. This is quite a long article. I don't have time to read it all, but it does refer to the fact that the... Um, the FDA is speeding towards full approval of the Pfizer injection. Uh, Moderna gaining fast-track designation to test other experimental mRNA vaccines in children and adults. And CDC benignly maintaining that the results of COVID vaccine safety monitoring are reassuring. It's not hard to be discouraged about the agency's continued ability to get away with misusing and abusing safety data from VAERS and other sources. And it goes on to say, with <clears throat> injuries from COVID vaccines occurring on an unprecedented scale and credible doctors and scientists issuing urgent warnings about short-term and longer-term damage, it may become increasingly difficult for the vaccine establishment to shove its problems under the statistical carpet. In 1976, public health authorities were forced to halt their rollout of a rapidly mobilised swine flu vaccine after a spate of negative publicity and some 4,000 serious adverse events, including Guillain-Barre syndrome and death, became impossible to ignore. This medical debacle, now widely acknowledged as such, became the focus of a 1979 episode of 60 Minutes. With more than half a million COVID vaccine injuries now reported to VAERS alone and many more reported around the world, current events dwarfed the 1976 debacle. So in other words, the point of this is that there is absolutely no excuse for not stopping not only the rollout of these so-called vaccines, but the the pressure that people are putting being put under to submit to this um, horrendous medical intervention. Let's put it that way. It's a medical crime. These people should face justice for crimes against humanity. So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, interesting to see what comes from the symposium and follow-ups. These uh, cases that Dominion has um, filed against people, it seemed to be a way of exposing all the actual 
um, evidence to back up this, the statements by people like Mike Lindell and Sidney Powell and Patrick Byrne and so on. Anyway, um, exciting times. Just a reminder that you can find me at the successalchemist.net, which is my coaching website, and the webalchemist.net, which is my web design website, and also Empowered Manifestation, which is my book on manifestation. That's at empoweredmanifestation.com. So thank you again for listening. I hope you'll join me next week for another Cosmic Creating show. And thank you, as always, to Nancy for producing. So be safe, take care, stay well, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper. 